Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Ann. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. Well, we've been moving along with our conversations for five months. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe. It is. And we've covered a lot of territory. This feels like the right time to retrace our steps and see where we've been and where we want to go from here. Well, I'm on board, Anna, uh, because when you called me uh, in the spring, you know, we were really in the beginning stages, the early stages of the sheltering at home um, in this COVID crisis. And one of the things that, that we talked about is gauging our conversations uh, specifically on what we were personally experiencing and also what we were hearing from our friends and our families, our colleagues, and, and even from my clients. Yes, and it made perfect sense at that time to start with the fear, anxiety, and worry. And, you know, it's where we were, or should I say we still are. Well, and isn't that interesting? Because we're still in it, and we're in it deep as we hear about these new surges of, of COVID cases. Um, what we really wanted to convey was that what we're all experiencing is really understandable and can also be explained um, in, in fairly simple uh, psychological terms. And also it can be supported by neuroscience. I mean, we're, we're all impacted by the demands of, of what's happening. This is an unprecedented occurrence. And of course we're all stressed and we continue to be stressed. And the criteria that, that kind of moves around us feeling so stressed, you know, really is, is appropriate for what we talked about in prolonged stress. Yes. It, which it really, can lead to some trauma. Yes, absolutely. And we really delved into the body-brain connection and how we're wired for safety and survival. It was also helpful for me to learn that the thinking brain can sometimes override the older brain and convince us that something isn't dangerous, or maybe it really is, or vice versa. Well, and that's right, Anna. You know, the key is that the body reacts to whatever we're thinking or perceiving. And, and uh, this is when we begin to get the picture. As we begin to experience it, we get the picture that, that thoughts aren't necessarily facts. Um, we also introduced at that time some quieting techniques to regain balance and to kind of assess the situation from that stance of present moment awareness so that we could perceive things differently and not be totally in our uh, reactivity. So in the quieting techniques, we were really using the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath and a word, is, word associated with that and allowing ourselves to be more centered and more grounded so that we weren't in the reactivity or at least as much of the reactivity. Yes, I, I know those, those quieting techniques were very helpful for many of us. And we followed this up by delving more deeply into the effects of prolonged stress and trauma. Well, and, and we really wanted to share information that there are situations where extraordinary stress can overwhelm a person's capacity to cope. And in doing so, really, really shatters one's sense of safety and security. You know, and, and also for some people, it, it really impacts them more than others. It certainly does. And, and Dr. Jane, our conversation tapped into not only the explanation of PTSD, but also provided some suggestions regarding recovery, self-care, and seeking professional help, which I think was really important. 
Well, and, and, and that's what we, that's really what we decided is that this was so important because it validated that for some, the current stress could trigger unresolved trauma from the past. And, and we wanted to, to really be able to support this, but also support, you know, that there are, there are ways to recover. There are, you know, professionals who can help with that. There are really resources for healing. Yes. And then, of course, you know, absolutely, the resource for healing is, is just so, so important. And then the family and friend relationships was a predictable topic for us. Uh, how, how to work together as a team, respect the boundaries and differences during this crisis that pushes all our buttons. Well, and so many of the people that I have had contact with were voicing the concern about differences in the interpretation of the COVID crisis and how to best handle it without coming to blows with those who are, are really near and dear to us. But we also uh, were looking to talk about uh, how we can establish healthy ways of dealing with issues, you know, healthy timeouts, um, seeking win-win situations, responding to each other with compassion, starting with self-compassion. Yeah, self-compassion is definitely the key to that. And we also caution people to avoid becoming too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, and included a loving-kindness practice at the end of the conversation, which I absolutely loved. Well, and you know, Anna, as, as I mentioned in our, in our videos, I cannot stress um, strongly enough how important it is to turn toward the, that sense of our own hunger, our own anger, our own loneliness, our tiredness. You know, that halt phenomena really sets us up to be vulnerable and, and sets us up to be more likely to be consumed by our negativity, consumed by our reactivity. So it's incredibly important that we allow ourselves to know what's happening, you know, what's going on that's triggering the reactivity, because this can really support the healthy relationships that we all seek. Yes, it can certainly be disruptive. And then we tackled grief in, in, a two, in two episodes. I know that we you know, talked about this and we decided that we needed two episodes to cover this topic. Those were very emotional conversations and uh, very difficult ones for me to even get through. Well, and, and Anna, the, the thing that we were so deeply touched by um, was how this situation, how the pandemic was forcing people into situations of incredible change an incredible loss, um, losses, you know, a myriad of losses, you know, social, financial, loss of rites of passage, like graduations, loss of the ability to, to uh, hold funerals, to um, um, really gather together as families and, and loved ones. You know, it really prohibited people from being with loved ones who were sick or dying. You know, there are lots of, of, lots of losses. Um, and this was harsh for many, you know, a, really a, a harsh toll for many of us. And so the, 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 the worst of was that um, for those who were holding unresolved grief from the past, because it wasn't just what was happening, happening currently, but it kind of opened up this, this pain from past unresolved losses and, and grief that all of a sudden kind of mushroomed into, you know, overwhelming feelings of, of helplessness and hopelessness and really feeling stuck and trapped. 
Yes, a lot of triggers there for sure. And these first several were really naming the circumstances that we found all ourselves in. That's right. And, and what we wanted to do was, was validate this incredible stress that we were all in. And also wanted to support, uh, support people in understanding how they arrived at their current perspective. You know, to learn how I can own my interpretations, that there are ways that I can change and alter my perspectives. You know, so, so we jumped into autopilot thinking and really turned our, our attention to the ABCs of thinking and how there are certain elements of our thinking and how it occurs that feed into what we call the backstory, which was really how we see ourselves in the world, kind of the, the frames and the lenses through which I see the world that has everything to do with how I was trained, what I learned early on, how I was socialized, my personal experiences, all of that. Oh, yes, the backstory. <laughs> that, was really, that was a really interesting conversation for sure. And this is where things began to really shake up for us, I remember. Uh, we're no longer able to say it's all out there. We are looking, we are all looking at how we may be contributing to our own discontentment. Well, and, and, and where, we, where we began was by recognizing our beliefs and our conditioning, you know, the values that were part of that early socialization, those early training, the early learning, you know, with our families, our schools, our churches, uh, and, and that we really took this in long before we were ever capable of knowing what we were agreeing to. We, we actually cited the four agreements by Miguel Ruiz at this time. And so, you know, this was an opportunity to allow ourselves to really kind of see how this all occurred, how this mix convened and became the frames and the lenses through which I see the world. And, and this also was an opportunity to use the present moment awareness that we were learning, you know, that allows us to see the thought patterns and to begin to respond to what we're, or, or I should say how we're interpreting the world, to be able to say, well, maybe, maybe not. Yes, and and then there was a clear intention in our conversation that challenging our backstory isn't about being wrong. It's about discovering the best parts of ourselves to do the next right thing. Well, yes. And, and this is why we wanted to pursue um, really kind of uh, the, the whole premise of kind of turning toward ourselves, you know, and, and this can make us enormously uncomfortable. And, and letting that be okay. You know, we're the only species that has the ability to be aware of our thoughts and our feelings and our impulses as they're happening. And this allows us to cultivate that observer self part of our consciousness. And this observer self can assist us in intervening in fear, anxiety, worry, um, general negative thinking patterns, even depression. You know, we learn how to watch the thought streams. We learn how to really observe what's happening without engaging in it, without fueling it. And we see that our thoughts are really kind of mental events. They're just kind of, you know, going by and they're not facts. There might be another way to see the world or interpret what's happening. Yeah, this was such an important topic. And the autopilot conversation was a perfect lead into our conversation about anger, which has been a hot topic throughout this pandemic. Absolutely, it has. You know, and, and as we mentioned in the video, you know, the anger is such a misunderstood emotion. 
really it really is to serve us um, in our survival to protect us and it's important to know how to handle it you know um, how to hold it what are the triggers you know what are the types of anger you know to be able to begin to own our own reactivity you know what are the things that set me off you know and not just use the excuse of oh well that's just how I am you know hopefully we can begin to recognize we have a choice in reactivity. You know, sometimes things come up. My real choice is in the moment when I decide what I'm going to do with that. And just because I'm triggered doesn't mean I have to follow through. You know, this can only be experienced by cultivating that present moment awareness, by being very mindful of what's happening in the moment as it's happening. Yes, this was such an important piece. And then the next several conversations were concentrated on learning awareness skills and practices, focused awareness, sensing, observing our thoughts and patterns and turning toward the discomfort, all directed towards watching, listening, observing what's happening in the moment as it's happening. As it's happening. You know, and that's key because what we're learning to do is to be with whatever is arising within our direct experience, you know? And, and that's why we call it a direct experience because it's happening in the moment. It's not about what's already happened, you know, because that becomes a memory or what we think is going to happen because that's really a fantasy. It's all about what is happening as it is occurring. And this present moment awareness is, is really where all the big stuff that life happens, you know, all the, all the most important pieces love, loss, awe, experiencing a power greater than ourselves. You know, each of our conversations ended with a practice to support learning this. And so each of these components have a particular practice. We have a video for each one of these practices. And these skills are imperative in learning that observer self, learning to make the conscious choices, which really allow us to rewire the brain and operate and move toward real change in our lives, if that's what we're looking for. Yeah, these practices are such a gift and were components to the mindful classes that you taught. That's right. That's right. These are all key practices for the development of present moment awareness, what is often called mindfulness. Uh, it's tracking the breath, you know, which, which allows ourselves to really learn a concentration technique that takes us out of the thought stream, you know, off that train that runs 24-7. You know, it, it helps us develop that observer self, you know, so that we can really watch what's happening to us, experience our sensations without engaging, experiencing our thoughts without engaging, experience our reactivity without engaging. You know, and in and, and, and doing this, we really also allow our, our bodies to become a vessel of awareness, you know, a place to take our attention and just dis discover what's going on with our reactivity. You know, really being able to get another feel for it without feeding the drama. So we also talked about turning toward the discomfort, which is, you know, kind of a touchy, touchy practice because we're turning toward that that's, that's really maybe triggering my reactivity, but allowing ourselves to build up some tolerance to that distress some acceptance to what's going on and, and really begin to know the truth of our experience without fueling the reactivity. Yes. And self-compassion, you know, what a godsend. Yeah. And right on time, wasn't it? 
right mm-hmm. on time. You know, and, and given that we cannot talk ourselves out of high levels of reactivity are times when we're in overwhelming kind of negative bias and um, um, feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. You know, we need to be able to turn to a practice that activates that part of the brain that allows us to experience our connection in self-compassion, allows us to activate our connection to others in that broader scope of, of compassion, and quite frankly, allows us to begin to feel our connection to all humanity, you know, in kind, loving ways. Yeah, and one of my favorite that we included the loving meta practice of loving kindness, so soothing, it's so healing. And absolutely essential, absolutely essential, given that the next three conversations were again deepening into ourselves and asking, you know, how do I get through these tough situations? You know, how am I going to make it? You know, who do I take myself to be? You know, who do I think I am? Um, is this who I choose to be? You know, am I living my best and highest self? And which of my beliefs foster the best self? And which are really the barriers? Yeah, I know. At first, it felt really heavy. But as we talked, it became apparent that this was, again, turning toward myself without judgment or criticism. It felt like a very doable exploration into into myself. And I'm sure everyone else felt that way. So many things that I've told myself about myself aren't necessarily true. Things that I've said, I, you know, I can't do that. Why not me? I'm sure that many of our viewers have felt that way. And that's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, we want to challenge that backstory. Um, We want to challenge our self-image. We want to build self-esteem. We don't have to change, you know, everything. We don't have to change anything if we don't want to. You know, we want to exercise choice, conscious choice. We want to be able to say, you know, what do I need? What do I, what do I need? The deepest part of myself, you know, what is it that I need? And really recognize that I have needs and, and I want to meet some of those needs. And I want to bring myself to a, a greater sense of balance and harmony, you know, which is why we included for each one of the episodes, we've included techniques that really support the balance and the harmony. Um, they're awareness practices. And it, it certainly is beneficial not to just hear the conversations, but also to go to those, those uh, videos on YouTube and allow ourselves to be in the actual direct experience of what's happening. Well, I know it certainly has been incredibly helpful for me. Uh, also, it's perfect timing that our topic for our next conversation is about people pleasing and accommodating. Well, and isn't that interesting? Yes. Because the people play pleasing and accommodating, you know, that's this is another collection of conditioned behavior that takes us away from ourselves and really sets us up to build up hidden or maybe not so hidden resentments. You know, yet so often it's done in the name of, of love and loyalty and rescuing, um, but it can also be at times self-destructive. You know, and we'll talk more about that in our conversation. Yeah. Well, Dr. Jane, it sounds like we have a lot more work to do. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, Anna. Thank you. See you soon.